Greetings and welcome. My name is James White. Why do Christians believe what they believe about God? Specifically, why do Christians insist upon believing such a difficult thing as the doctrine of the Trinity? Many people would find it so much easier if we just abandoned the doctrine of the Trinity and, and embrace some kind of view of God that would, in the opinion of many, be less complicated, more simple. But there's one reason why I am a Trinitarian, and that reason is this book. I am a biblical Trinitarian. What do I mean by that? I am forced by the teaching of this book to embrace the doctrine of the Trinity. Now you say, well, wait a minute, that's impossible. The word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. That's true, it does not. You can look up as much as you want. You're not going to be able to find the word Trinity in the Bible. But what the Bible does teach is three basic foundational truths that force me to be a biblical Trinitarian. And to deny any one of those truths is to deny the teaching of the Scriptures themselves. So many people misunderstand the doctrine of the Trinity. Certainly we recognize that people outside of the Christian faith not only misunderstand, but attack the doctrine of the Trinity. But sadly, many even within the professing Christian faith do not have an adequate or accurate understanding of what the doctrine itself is. As a result, we are liable to being deceived by those who would, who would prey upon our ignorance of this doctrine. But in the same way, if what the Trinity says is true about God and we don't really understand it, then even our worship is degraded. It is made less than it could be because we do not understand what is the very central aspect of our faith itself. And so I think it's important to start off with a definition and some comments on that definition. And then I want to especially look at those three foundations of the doctrine of Trinity because I believe that getting into the scriptures, into the word of God, and grounding ourselves here is the way for us to have a true knowledge of what God would have us to know from his word. So if you were to be asked, if you're a Christian believer, how would you define the Trinity? Would you immediately hesitate? Would you be concerned that maybe you're going to not express things correctly? We should understand what we confess about the nature of God, but we should be very careful in the way that we express it because there are many groups that deny these truths and they use our misunderstandings to their advantage. How would I define the doctrine of the Trinity? Well, I provide here a brief definition. Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, let me repeat that, and please notice, even in the graphic, I have emphasized two specific words, and we need to hear this. Within the one being that is God, there exist eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, the doctrine of the Trinity is not that there are three persons who are one person or three beings that are one being. We are differentiating between these two words, and this simply must be understood. Being and person are different things. 
Being is what makes something what it is. Person is what makes someone who they are. We use this differentiation every day. We recognize that we are human beings. Yet each one of us sees ourselves as an individual. My being a human being doesn't mean that I'm every other human being. I have a specific distinction from all other human beings, but I share my humanity with others. Humanity is what I am. Who I am is defined personally. I am a finite being. I am limited. My being is limited in time and space. God's is not. My humanity is limited. I live only for a certain period of time. I cannot transcend time and space. I am in one place at one time. And so my limited being is shared by only one person, me. And every other person is distinct from me. We use that kind of distinction. We also recognize that there's other things that while they have being, they don't have person. We may look at a rock and we can... We can take a rock and we can paint that rock and we can make that rock look as human as we can. But it still does not have personality. It is not a person. It has being. Pick it up and throw it at somebody. You'll see it has being. It exists because being defines what it is, but it, does not, it cannot for a rock define who it is because it is not personal. So these distinctions are distinctions we make every day. And the doctrine of the Trinity requires that we recognize this and we talk about God. But you will notice something before we go any farther. You won't find me using analogies for the doctrine of the Trinity. You won't find me using even the popular analogies that people might use to try to illustrate the doctrine of the Trinity. And there's a simple reason for that. God's way of existence is absolutely unique. And an example, an analogy, seeks to communicate something by comparing it to something else. But, of course, there's a problem. If God's existence as a triune being is absolutely unique, then there can be nothing in creation to which we can compare it. And therefore, all of those comparisons are likely to carry some kind of misunderstanding. And many of the analogies, even though they might illustrate a portion of the doctrine of the Trinity, frequently then for other people communicate error about the doctrine of the Trinity. We need to allow God to be unique. And that means when we use human language, we need to be careful that we do not import the limitations of our language into the very nature of God himself. That is one of the difficulties that we face. And it's not just a difficulty that Christians face. Anyone seeking to use human language to describe the true and eternal God struggles because language is so very much attached to our creatureliness that when we start trying to elevate it up to the very being of God and his uniqueness, we certainly encounter situations where we strain in that process. Now, the most common misunderstanding that exists, and I would imagine that this is the case all across the face of the globe. The most common misunderstanding needs to be laid out and laid to rest right at the beginning. Now, I might offend a few people because this might be your understanding, but hopefully it will be of benefit to you to realize that you are not believing the doctrine of the Trinity as the church has defined it and preached it down through the centuries. The Trinity is not saying 
that there are three beings who are one being, nor three persons who are one person. One being eternal and unlimited, shared by three divine persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This must be understood. Many Christians allow themselves to be forced into defending a false view of the Trinity. We do not believe, for example, that the Father is the Son. The Bible clearly differentiates between the Father and the Son. The Father and the Son converse with one another. It is impossible to turn them into one person. And so Christians will allow themselves to be forced into a corner, in essence, to where someone misdefines the doctrine of the Trinity, they misrepresent it, and the Christian thinks, well, I'm not certain, maybe that's it. I'll have to try to defend that too. We must recognize that we are talking about one what and three who's. One being, three persons. We differentiate between those terms. That is the only way that we can understand not only the doctrine of the Trinity, but I submit to you, it is the only way that we can understand the Bible's teaching itself. Now, I mentioned to you the biblical foundations of the Trinity. This is why I am a biblical Trinitarian. If you're going to believe the Bible, the Bible, taken as a whole, interpreted in a sound fashion, is going to force you to believe the doctrine of the Trinity. How can this be? Well, let's look. Foundation number one, absolute monotheism. Not Unitarianism, monotheism. The Bible teaches that there is only one true God. There are no other gods besides him. He is the one who created all things. Absolute monotheism. And this is not only taught in the Old Testament, though we'll go there. That's the first and foremost of God's revelations is he reveals to his people who themselves were surrounded by polytheists, I am the only true God. And the people around Israel found that extremely offensive. But it's also taught in the New Testament as well. Monotheism is a consistent, inspired, biblical revelation. Foundation number two. Foundation number two is the existence of three divine persons. That is, the Bible clearly differentiates between the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and teaches us that those persons have eternally existed. The Bible does not confound the Father with the Son. It does not confound the Son with the Spirit. This is a common error. Many Christians fall into the error of, of going, well, uh, Jesus did say, I and the Father are ones. That must mean I and, I and the Father are the same person. Even in John 10, 30, when Jesus said, I and the Father are one, the verb's plural. I and the Father, we are one. And the oneness there in John chapter 10 is bringing about the salvation of God's people, not a Unitarian oneness where they are one person. Jesus clearly distinguished himself from the Father, and he and the Father then sent the Holy Spirit. And so the Bible teaches us that there are three divine persons. Now, that's the second foundation. 
The third foundation then puts it all together because the third biblical foundation is the Bible's teaching that these divine persons are co-equal and co-eternal. Co-equal and co-eternal. This would be the Bible's testimony to the deity of Christ, the eternality of Christ, and to the personality and deity of the Holy Spirit. Very few people argue about the eternality or the deity of the Father. Most controversies are focused upon a denial of the deity of Christ and the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are many groups that call themselves Christian groups that deny one or more of these foundations. For example, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, centered in Brooklyn, New York, also known as Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witnesses will tell us there is only one true God, Jehovah. But they also believe that the first thing Jehovah created was Michael the Archangel, and that Michael the Archangel became Jesus Christ. They deny that the Holy Spirit is a person at all. In fact, in their uh, translation of the Bible, which I would say is a gross mistranslation of the Bible, a perversion of the Bible called the New World Translation, they do, will not even capitalize the H and the S of Holy Spirit, because for them, the Holy Spirit is merely an impersonal active force much like electricity or running water. And so the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society presents a Unitarian understanding of God. Jehovah is the only true God, and the first thing he created was Michael, who became Jesus. Then through Michael, he created all the rest of the created universe. And so while they mainly affirm the first foundation, foundation being monotheism. In some ways, they actually even violate that because they will admit that Jesus is identified as a God, even as a mighty God. And so they might actually be more accurately identified as henotheists. A henotheist is a person who believes in one main God, but does not deny the existence of lesser divine beings. But they clearly deny the second foundation, because they say there are not three divine persons, there is only one divine person, Jehovah. And, of course, their primary focus is upon denying the third foundation from the biblical text, and that is the co-equality and co-eternality of the divine persons. There is another major religious group that also identifies itself as being Christian, and yet fundamentally differs from historic Christianity in its proclamation of the nature of God. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, founded April 6, 1830, now centered in Salt Lake City, Utah, teaches that God was once a man who lived on another planet and that there were many gods before him. In fact, there are literally billions and billions of gods, maybe even an unlimited number of gods out in the cosmos, and that the God of this planet is named Elohim. He is God the Father. And Jesus is Jehovah, who is a separate God from Elohim, and his offspring, Elohim, actually gave birth to Jehovah with one of his physical wives. Also, the Holy Spirit is a third God. So there are at least three separate gods for this world. And there were many, many gods that existed before. And then, in fact, since man is of the same species as God, then worthy Mormon men who are sealed in the LDS temple to their wives, when they are resurrected, become gods as well and they organize their own planet and have spirit children and start the process all over again so that you have literally billions and billions of gods. So obviously, 
Mormonism, or the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, denies the very first foundation, monotheism. Also denies the rest in the sense that foundation two is denied. There are not just three divine persons. There are literally billions of divine persons. And the third foundation is denied because the Son is not co-equal and co-eternal with the Father. All of us, in essence, are co-equal and co-eternal with God. That, in fact, is even a part of the teaching of LDS Scripture. In Doctrine and Covenants 93.29, it says that man was in the beginning with God. And so these are fundamental, foundational departures from the teachings of the historic Christian faith in regards to the nature of the doctrine of the Trinity. We can see how to illustrate these things by looking at this graphic. Now, you may have seen a, a, uh, a triangle used to illustrate the doctrine of the Trinity in the past, where you have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and uh, it, each, of the, each of the legs says, is not. So the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father, but then a line going into the middle saying, each is God. That's a perfectly good illustration, but that's not what I want to illustrate here. What I want to use this triangle to illustrate are the, those three biblical foundations and how they relate to one another. For example, the, found, the lowest foundation, the most basic, the most important, not lowest in the sense of importance, but most important because it holds everything else up, is the concept of monotheism. There is only one true God. That was the first revelation that God made of himself to his people, that he is the only true God. Then you have the truth of the th existence of the three divine persons. And the primary evidence of this is found in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, where you, for example, in Matthew chapter 3, have, have the Father speaking from heaven, the Son's being baptized, the Spirit descends as a dove, the existence of the three divine persons. And then we have the equality of the persons. This would be the teaching of the deity of Christ, the deity and personality of the Holy Spirit. Now, we can find out what kind of errors result from denying these by taking out each one of these foundations, and then the triangle will point to the resultant error. For example, if we were to deny monotheism, such as we find in Mormonism, then you have three divine persons, you have the equality of those persons, and so the result is some form of polytheism, a belief in more than one God. You can see how the, the two sides of the triangle that are left, once the other is taken away, point to the resultant error. Three divine persons, the equality of those persons, the result is some form of polytheism. Or, if instead you were to deny another element, for example, that there are three divine persons, now you have monotheism, you have the equality of the persons, but if you do not distinguish between the persons, the result is an ancient heresy known as modalism. The idea that God acts like the Father, He acts like the Son, He acts like the Holy Spirit, but He's only one person. One of the ancient ways of expressing this was like an actor on a stage, where sometimes He would wear the mask of the Father, and sometimes He wears the mask of the Son, and sometimes He wears the mask of the Holy Spirit. This is an ancient heresy known as modalism. It still exists within the church well, not within the Christian church, but within what's called Christianity today, there are people who promote this as well. But then if you were to deny the equality of the persons, you're left with monotheism, 
and three divine persons, the result would be some sort, sort of subordinationism, where you have to create some sort of order and subordinate the divine persons to one another. This is what you have, for example, with Jehovah's Witnesses, where you have the ultimate God, Jehovah, and then Jesus is subordinated to him as Michael the archangel. He is a lesser being. And there are a number of other forms of this as well. And so hopefully this triangle helps you to understand what happens when you deny one element of these biblical doctrines that are found in the Bible themselves. But for the people of God, honestly, the best way to illustrate these things is to go to the text itself. And so let's look at foundation number one, monotheism. There is only one God. The being of God is simple and undivided. The Trinity is inalterably monotheistic. And all charges of polytheism are based upon misunderstanding, not upon the truth. So when someone says to you, the Trinity turns you into a polytheist, they simply do not understand what the doctrine is. I would emphasize, monotheism separates Christianity from the vast majority of the world's religions. Christians are monotheists. Why are we monotheists? Because the Bible teaches that. Where? Well, <clears throat> the Jewish people, each morning as they would rise, even the apostles and the Lord Jesus, each morning as they would rise, they would say the Shema. Shema, Yahweh Eloheinu, Yahweh Akkad. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God. Yahweh is our God. Yahweh is one. Echad. Now, some would say that, that oneness means Unitarian. No. That very same term is used, for example, of a single cluster of grapes in the Old Testament. That's not, there's just one huge grape, but there is a cluster of grapes. But the point is that there is only one being of God. Jehovah is one. There is only one Jehovah. There are not multiple Jehovahs all over the place that we are to be worshiping. Another excellent text, Deuteronomy 4.35. To you it was shown that you might know that the Lord, and when you see L-O-R-D in all capitals in the English translation, that's the name Yahweh in the original language, or Jehovah as it's not as well pronounced, that the Lord, he is God, there is no other besides him. Jehovah, he is Elohim, that's the word for God in the Hebrew language, there is no other besides him. It is interesting to note that in modern Mormon theology, Jehovah and Elohim are separate gods. But here in the biblical text, it is said, Jehovah, he is Elohim. There is no other besides him, not there is no other besides them. Another excellent text, Isaiah chapter 43, verse 10. Here in the midst of the prophecy of Isaiah, where you have a trial of the false gods going on. Isaiah records the Lord repeatedly emphasizing this truth, that he is the only true God. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, and there will be none after me. You can hardly have a clearer enunciation of the absolute doctrine of monotheism. He is eternal. There was no God formed before him. There will be no God formed after him. This is repeated over and over again through the text of Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. We stand firmly on the fact 
that God is our creator and there is only one true God. But what about those other foundations? Do they have as much clear evidence? We'll discover that they do. We'll continue in our study in those areas. Thank you.